We've been talking in this series about who is God or who is this God. And um, how many of you know, we've, we've talked several times that you can, you can have that relationship with God and still not know Him. Some people have a relationship with me, but they don't really know me. They don't know me like she does, you know. Me and Ted, we talk, you know, once or twice a week because he comes in and teaches our Wednesday night class, and we know we, we, we're getting to know each other, but there's still a lot more to know. And it, it amazes me how we have come to the point in our Christian walk that we think we've got God figured out. I want to tell you, theology is a good thing. But theology is not all there is of God, okay? Um, I told, I told uh, my brother-in-law last night, they came up for, to visit from Tennessee, and I said, we can't deify our theology. Our theology is supposed to be our attempts to understand the deity. But so many times we deify our theology, and we need to understand that God wants to change us. And the more, let me tell you something, folks. God wants you to know more about his character than you do his power. Because if you don't understand the character of God, you'll never really grasp the power of God. See, power without character leads to abuse. And so a lot of times people get this idea of God's power and, and Scott, they see this abuse of God because they don't understand his character. And, and, and his character is not abusive. So our prayer is, as we continue into these things, that we understand God more. We see God in a different light. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to teach this series. Every time I dive into stuff, I see a different part of God. I see, today I'm going to show you one name of God that I didn't realize that was what this, I should have read my Bible better. But I didn't really even realize what, a name bent. See, back then, they even characterized God by how they named their children. Man, imagine if we would do that now. Some of y'all have some funny names. Just saying. I want to lay a background real quick. How many of you know who Abram and Sarai is? That's Abraham and Sarah's first names. <laughs> Before God decided to change it. We know the story how Abram was given a promise that he was going to have a generation of people, that he was going to be the father of a nation. And we know that when, when this happened to him, he's already way up in, in his 90s. And uh, God told him, said, leave your home, go to a place where I'll send you. Now, you tell me that's not a step of faith. I'm not going to tell you where you're going, but you'll know when you get there. Come on, anybody ever had to do that before? I don't, you don't know where you're going, but you'll know it when you get there. I'll tell you, I'll tell you when to turn right, I'll tell you when to turn left. We, our, our family wants to take a vacation that way this year. I think we're going to get away for a few days, and that's how we're going to do it. When we come to a stop, left or right, and let them make a decision and see where we end up. We might have to call it the lost weekend or something, I don't know. So anyhow, Abram... He, they're not, Abram and Sarah, they're not having any luck. And so what Sarah does is, is, is Sarah brings her slave daughter, Hagar, to Abraham and says, because we can't have children, you take her 
And the baby that she bears will take as our own. Well, it takes a while, and but finally, Abraham impregnates Hagar. Well, and the word tells us that after Abraham had impregnated Hagar, that all of a sudden now Hagar, the slave girl, she starts getting issues with Sarah, the one who she supposedly worked for. It was her master. It was her whatever. And uh, so she starts getting contemptuous with Sarah to the point that Sarah gets so angry, she goes to Abraham and she tells him, says, you've got to deal with this girl. Now, it was never Abraham's idea to begin with. It was Sarah's idea. How many of you know that sometimes our ideas aren't God's ideas? <laughs> well, I think I'll just, I think you might want to pray on that. And Abraham tells Sarah, he said, look, she's your slave child. Do with her what you want to do with her. And so she begins to treat Hagar so badly. She begins to abuse her. She begins to hurt her. And she treats her so badly that finally in the middle of the night, Hagar runs off. And she's leaving. And this is where we're going to pick up. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. I'm reading now the Tree of Life version right now. Genesis chapter 16 and verse 7. Then an angel of Adonai found her in the spring, by the spring of water in the wilderness next to the spring on the way to Shur. See, she was from Egypt. She was headed back to Egypt. She's like, I don't have to put up with this. I've been hurt. I've been abused. <laughs> and he said, Hagar, Sarah's slave girl. He didn't ask her who she was. He named her. I know exactly who you are. I know exactly where you're at. I know exactly what's going on. So he says, Hagar, uh, uh, Sarah, slave girl, where have you come from and where are you going? That struck me odd. Why would he ask where you come from and where you're going if you already knew her by name when he walked up? So what he's actually doing is he's going to cause her to label herself. You ever labeled yourself? Failure, adulterer, drunk, addict. What, what, what labels have we put on ourselves? And he said to her, Sarah, Hagar, Sarah's slave girl, where are you going? Where are you coming from? And where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing the presence of my mistress, Sarah. I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarah. And the angel of Adonai said, return. Now look what he did. He sends her back. She had been abused. She had been treated so badly, her only recourse was to run away. And now he says, go back to Sarah. Go back to your mistress and humble yourself under her hand. That is one tough pill to swallow right there. Then the angel of Adonai said to her, I will, now listen, there's a promise. I'm not going to get into this whole message of, of, of finding promise in obedience. Or even submission, because, you know, those are horrible bad words nowadays. 
Sometimes you just got to let things settle, Steve. He said, go back. Back that up one, Bobby, please. And the angel of Adonai said, return to your mistress and humble yourself under her hand. And then the angel of Adonai said, I will bountifully multiply your seed and they will be too many to count. What you're seeing here is the split between Abraham's race, Israel, and the other Middle Eastern countries. You say, now wait a minute. This is a promise to Hagar. You go back and do what I tell you to do, and I will bountifully multiply your seed, and they will be too many to count. And the angel of Adonai said to her, behold, you are pregnant. So don't tell me he didn't really know where she was going or where she come from. He knew her name and knew she was pregnant. He said, behold, you are pregnant, and you're about to bear a son, and you shall name him Ishmael. For Adonai has heard your affliction. That's what, he, that's what Ishmael means. God has heard my affliction. See, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how hard things have been. I don't know how many times you have cried out to God even this week. God, please. I'm in trouble. I'm going through stuff. This is hurts. This is not good. God, please. Our whole nation is crying out right now. I want to tell you, the Ishmael, God has heard our affliction. <laughs> but look what verse 12 says about Ishmael. And he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone. And everyone's hand against him. And away from all his brothers will he dwell. Now we're getting into the name I want you to see. Verse 13. So she called Adonai who was speaking to her. See, now we understand this is more than just an angel. God's talking to her. And so she called Adonai who was speaking to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I would have gone here indeed looking for him who looks after me. Ron said it so many times today during worship. He said it so many times. I thought, Ron, you're going to have to shut up. You're going to get all over my message. Today, I want to introduce you to El Rohi, the God who sees you. The God who understands you. The God who sees right where you're at and right in the middle of your struggle. The God who understands that you feel like you have been left out. You feel like you've been abused. You feel like you've been hurt. And nobody sees you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody knows what's going on in your life. I'm here to tell you today that the Almighty God, He sees you. Right where you're at. Right in the middle of what's going on, the, the complete Jewish Bible of that says, I have, uh, of where he says, I would have, uh, where it says, I would have gone here indeed looking for him who looks after me. The complete Jewish Bible says it this way. It says, I have really seen the one who sees me and I stayed alive. Whew. I've seen the one who sees me. You see, God saw Hagar in her hard time. And I know so many times it's hard to walk through life and think, God, you've completely forgotten me. 
You don't even know where I'm at. You don't know what's going on. God, I've prayed and it's hit the ceiling and bounced back down and hit me in the face. God, don't you understand what I'm going through? Don't you understand the things that I'm facing? I'm here to tell you today. He sees you. Today's a message of comfort to you. Last week we shouted all about it all. This week I want you to know you're not alone. Hagar was used... And anybody ever felt that way? She was used. She was abused. He knew that. He saw her hurt. And everybody else may not have saw her pain, but he did. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. Proverbs 15, verse 3. <laughs> the Lord sees all we do. He watches over his friends day and night. His godly ones receive the answers they seek whenever they cry unto him. Folks, one of the biggest promises that you'll ever take away from this right now is you never have to go through what you're going through alone. You say, but I don't have somebody. I don't have a this. I don't have a spouse. I don't have a mom. I don't have a dad. I don't have anybody that loves me. I'm telling you right now, in the middle of the place where you feel like you've been used and abused and you had no course of action but to run as far away from everything. See, that's our natural instinct. Adam and Eve, what did they do? They sent in the garden. The first thing they wanted to do was run and hide. Like somehow we're going to hide from God. But I'm telling you what, even though you feel like you've been used and abused, even like you feel like you've been through everything that you could possibly go through and nobody cares, He sees you. He knows you. And He says if you'll just call out to Him. See, He calls us friends here. Jesus calls us friends. Having a conversation last night. See, Jesus said you're no longer servants. He says, because a servant doesn't know what its master does. He says, but I'm calling you friends. Was it Israel Houghton wrote out the song years ago? I am a friend of God. Why am I a friend of God? Because he sees me. He knows where I'm at. He knows where I'm going through. And even though I feel like I can't do it. See, so many times we are like Hagar. We suffer and we're abused and we're used and we're hurt and we're mad and we're angry because God, you have for, to, totally forgotten and left me out here. I'm telling you today, he sees you. I want you to take solace in that today. When you're hurt. When you're a pregnant girl and you think that you're not wanted by anyone, he sees you. <laughs> When it seems like our country's in a wreck and we're thinking, God, you've moved out of here a long time ago. He still sees you. And you think, nobody hears my voice. He hears you and he answers you. And you think, God, there's no way you understand what I'm going through. He says, I see you. But I'm stuck out here all by myself and I can't recover. I've done too much, God. There's no recovery for me. He sees you. El Rohe, his ear is open to you. He's looking. Psalms 33. We're going to be short today. Because God just wants, this is just something we have to get. 
Psalms 33, verses 13 through 15 from the complete Jewish Bible says this, Adonai looks out from heaven and sees how many? Every human being. Well, God don't see you if you don't pray right. Nope. Well, they haven't prayed, prayed the right prayer. God forbid God sees someone, Deb, who hasn't prayed the right prayer. Come on. I know this will get you in trouble. It says, Adonai looks out of heaven and he sees every human being. That means he saw, let's, let's throw some political stuff in here. That means he saw the hurt in George Floyd when all that was happening. That means he sees the hurt in a cop who doesn't know anything and can't overcome anything but love. He can't over, he, he, the only thing that's going to overcome his stuff is love. That means he sees the ones that stand on the street corner and protest. God's not in that. He sees them. It, it gets better here in a minute. See, until we understand that our God looks out of heaven and sees every human being, we will always treat human beings as if we can't see them. And it'll become real easy to walk past them on the street and not reach a hand out to help those. We have to be El Rohi to somebody. We have to be the God who sees to somebody. We have to be the God who understands to somebody. Verse 14, from the place where he lives, he watches everyone living on the earth. Who, he who fashioned the hearts of them all. God fashioned them all, Scott. He who fashioned the heart of them all and understands all they do. Well, I don't understand why people do what they do. It doesn't matter. He who sees them does. And he cares for them. And he watches them. Well, that's good. I'm glad God sees them because he sure has forgotten me. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Does God really see me? Hey, folks, we're getting ready to land this thing. I told you it's short today. I just want you to know God sees you. Does God really see me? Or has he forgotten me? Has he seen the United States or has he forgotten us? Psalms 139 from the Passion Translation. We're down, we're closing, hang on. You say, Brent, you've never preached this little. You get a treat. Psalms 139, verses 1 through 6. From the Passion Translation says, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. He knows your hurt. He knows your cry. He knows when you're scared. He knows when you've been abused. He knows when you've been used. He knows when you've been beat up. He knows when you've been left out. He knows when you've been forgotten. Lord, you know everything there is about me. Oh, Bobby's ahead of me. Listen, he says, you perceive every moment of my heart and soul. And you understand every thought. At when? 
before it even enters my mind. So you've got to know this God. We got to see, Perry, we got to know this God. Like last week, we saw the God who was awesome. We need to see the God who hasn't forgotten us, the God who sees us in our struggle, the God who sees us in the hard times, the God who understands what we're going through. He said, You perceive every moment of my heart and soul. You understand every thought before it even enters my mind. Look at verse three. And you are so intimately aware of me. Well, why can't I feel you, God? Just because we don't have this overwhelming presence feeling doesn't mean that he's forgotten you. See, that's where the church has got this thing screwed up. Oh, God was in the, man, God was in the place today, Lana. I had goosebumps. Let me tell you, God was in the place whether you had a goosebump or not. Oh, God was moving because somebody danced. God's moving whether they dance or not. Oh, God was really moving. The offering sure was big today. See, we try to regulate God into these little tiny things. Let me tell you something. In the old ancient Jewish world, you know what they did? They went outside and they saw the grass is green. That was God. And they saw the sky was blue. And that was God's movement. They felt the wind blow. And they said, that's God. We've got to understand that He is in everything. Or we can't really honestly say He is omnipresent. We use big words like omnipresent. But somehow we forget that in my hard times, he's there. We use big words like omnipresent, but somehow forget that even if I sin, he's still there. <laughs> Do you think God jumped ship? Oh, no, no, I can't be a part of that. John tells us that he gave us the Holy Spirit and he would abide with us for how long? Somebody say it loud like somebody knows some scripture. Thank you. He'll abide with you forever. God's not jumping ship on you. Even when you're used and abused, even when we're hurt, even when we're left out, he says, you are so intimately aware of me. God is so aware of you. He said, you read my heart like an open book. You know all the words I'm about to speak even before I start a sentence. Before I even start a sentence, he knows what words are coming out of your mouth. And we sometimes, if, if God's this big, why do we wonder? God, do you really know me? Do you see me here? We don't know El Rohi, the God that sees us. You know every step I will take before my journey begins. Now, I love verse 5. You need me to go back so you can take that picture? Got it. You have gone. Now, listen, this is what God is saying to you. You have gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. God saw you and he sees you, your future you. He sees your present you. And thank God he'll protect me from my past me. 
sees your future. He says, I know the plans I have for you. I know what I have laid out for you. And it's plans to bless you and not harm you. (laughs) He said, with your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. Listen, verse 6. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Now, if I had time, we would read this whole chapter. So, Psalms 139, write it down. Especially out of di- different translations. I won't give you one in particular. Because he starts out in verse 7, and he starts saying, where can I go to get away from you? See, you, when, when we understand El-Rohi is the God who sees, we can't get away from him. David said, if I ascend to heaven, oops. He said, if I go down into hell, oops, you're there. He said, darkness and light don't mean anything to you. They're all the same to you. See, we got to understand he's there and we can't get away from him. And I'm going to close with this last set of scriptures from Psalms 39, 139, I'm sorry. Out of the complete Jewish Bible. In verse 13, you fashioned my inmost being and you knit me together for my mother's womb. First thing you need to understand about the God who sees you, he saw you before you breathed the breath in this life. He told Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. See, you had a relationship with God before you ever entered this earth. And our whole goal is bringing heaven to earth, right? Thy will be done on earth. You had a relationship with God before you were ever put here. And we're now just discovering who we really are because he's never forgotten who you are. He didn't forget whose belly he put you in. He didn't forget where you were born or what you went through. He saw your future from the moment you left heaven. Are you with me? Verse 14. I thank you because I am awesomely made. Somebody needs, you need, somebody needs to say that about themselves right now. God, I thank you. I told you last week, I look at Dee and ask her, how do you respond to this much awesome? See, some of you thought it was arrogant, but David said, I thank you because I am, say it real loud, I am awesomely made. He made you, he formed you, he put you there. He's not forgotten you, he's not left you out. Your works are wonders. People scratch their head and say, I wonder about him. You should. I'm a work of wonder. (laughs) See, when we understand this about God and that he's made us before he even formed us, he knows my thoughts before I think them, my words before I speak them. He sees me in my hard time. I'm like Hagar. He's going to find me and I've been used and abused. All I can do is sit and go, my God, why are thou cast down on my soul? 
And why are you disquieted within me? Because he sees me. I'm not forgotten, Perry. <laughs> oh. Verse 15. My bones are not hidden from you. And when I was being made in secret, integral, integ thank you, intricately, Yeah, that word. <laughs> Woven in the depths of the earth. I can say it just so you know. Listen to what he says in verse 16. Your eyes could see me as an embryo. That's why I love the complete Jewish Bible when it comes to stuff like this. It, it, it becomes really clear how much God sees me. He said, your eyes could see me as an embryo. But in your book, all of my days are already written. My days had been shaped before any of them existed. This is the God who sees you. This is the God who says, how often do I see you? I see you before you ever existed. Before your days were laid out in front of you, I knew how they were going to turn out. This is El-Rohi, the God who sees. Bob, will you come get this, please? <laughs> 